Thanks so much for joining us today as we are officially an online church. You know, this is a really unusual season for us. It's something we've never had to navigate before. And like you, we're figuring out life day to day. Uh, everything is so fluid right now. It's changing not just month to month and week to week, but in some cases day to day. But we are so glad you've joined us and we've had a time of worship and now I want to dive into God's word because I believe God has given me something to share with you today that will encourage you in this season. You know, uh, we've encouraged you to uh, use two things in your approach to this season as believers. Number one, we use common sense in what we're dealing with around us. But number two, we also want to approach this season and face it with our faith in God. So I'm going to be talking about that today, common sense and faith in God. Before we begin, let's just pray for a moment and ask God to meet us and speak to us right where we are. Father, I thank you for the privilege of sharing your word today. I'm honored that you put your word in my heart. You've given me a message for this moment for our church and beyond those who will hear this message so I pray that as people listen in their homes, in their offices, wherever they might be, I pray that you would allow their surroundings to become your house, that you would meet us here today, just as if we were gathered together in this auditorium. And as we gather, as we open our hearts to you, speak something to each one of us that will make a difference in our hearts, young and old alike. We thank you for what you do in Christ's name. Amen. You know, God has never been caught off guard. He's never without a response. Even in our most difficult and unusual seasons, God always has a word. He has a response for us. And today I want to address three concerns that we have right now in our society. And I also want to talk about some promises that God has made about those concerns. So I'm going to look today at three different stories very quickly out of the Old Testament. It's all focused on the journey of Israel from the time they leave Egypt and even before they enter into the promised land while they're moving through the wilderness. We're going to look at three stories, three concerns they had that I think align up with where we are today. So follow with me if you would. We're going to look number one at Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, as you're turning there, if you're opening your Bible at home, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that what happened to Israel in the Old Testament was recorded as an example to us and also as an admonition. As I read the stories of the Old Testament, especially the ones we're going to talk about today, two things happen for me. Number one, I see human nature. I see our natural response to situations. But then I also see God's nature revealed in these situations, in these circumstances. So we're going to begin in Exodus chapter 12. The first concern I want to talk about today is how can I protect my family? Exodus chapter 12, we're going to begin reading at verse number 21. And what's happened is the children of Israel are about to leave Egypt 
There have been 11 plagues that have fallen upon the nation of Egypt. God's protected his children, his people from these plagues. And now the 12th plague is about to fall and there's about to be death throughout the land. So God gives instructions to Moses to pass on to Israel about how they are to find protection as death comes across the land. Notice if you would, Exodus 12, verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. In verse 24. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. You know, the last several days I've heard a lot of people, news, television, radio, around the community, in our offices, talking about what can we do to protect ourselves in this season. Well, number one, we need to use common sense. And our government has done some things that they believe or enforce some things that they believe we need to be doing in this season that are common sense about how we can protect ourselves. I think we need to follow sound instruction and sound advice. But I also believe in this season we need to have faith in a God who is a great protector. And in this passage of Scripture, Israel is about to exit Egypt, but this final plague of death is about to move throughout the land, and it will touch every family in the land. So God says, I want to protect my people from this attack. So here's what you do. Every family is to take a lamb, kill it, drain away its blood into a basin, cook the lamb and eat all of it. But then he also gave this other instruction. Take the blood of the lamb that's in the basin, walk over to the entry of your house and take a hyssop, piece of hyssop. It was a, a plant Take a piece of this plant, this bush, and break it off and use it like a paintbrush. Dip it in the blood and on the doorposts of your house and on the side posts of the door, the lentils, over all the entry of your house, just paint it with this blood of the lamb. And God said, my promise to you is if you will obey me and paint the entry of your house with the blood of the lamb, I will protect you. Now, there's a lot of detail in this story that I don't want to get into today for the sake of time because there are some other things I want to talk about. But if you would, just consider this picture for a moment. As Moses tells every family in Egypt, kill a lamb, cook it, eat it, but take the blood and cover the entry of your home with the blood of the lamb. And scripture tells us that for every family that followed the instructions, all the people of Israel, that night, as the angel of death, death passed through the land, the families that had the blood over their doors were all protected and everyone lived. But every family that did not have the blood 
over the doorposts and the lentils. Those families tasted death. Now, I know the two situations are different. What they were dealing with then and what we're dealing with today, they're very different stories. But the truth is clear here. In these moments, in these times when things hit our land and we're faced with the, the, uh, the, the, the threat that we have today from the virus, in these days, people are concerned saying, what can I do to protect myself? Where do I go? And as people around the land are trying to sort this out in their own thinking, we as people of faith need to stop and say, I can trust my God to protect me and my family. Where can we find protection today? You know, if you look at Scripture in the New Testament, you'll find in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that Paul said, Christ is our Passover. In the Old Testament, when they instituted this, this act of killing a lamb and taking its blood and putting it on the doorpost of the home, it was called the Passover lamb. Paul said, Christ is our Passover. Those of us who've been walking with God and we know some about Scripture, we know that Christ is the Lamb of God, that what happened in the Old Testament was symbolic of what Christ would fulfill for us in the New Testament. And looking at these Scriptures, I think it's important for us today to realize that God wants us to trust Him to protect us in this season. You know, there are a thousand instructions out there about what you need to do in the natural but can I tell you something? While you're doing those things, above all else, wrap your heart around God and trust Him to protect you and your family in this season. You know, I see that picture of, of fathers and maybe even single moms or widows who had family members in their house, houses, in their homes, following the instructions of Moses and taking the hyssop and putting the blood around their doorposts, knowing that if I do this, God will protect not just me, but all of my family. Some of you have elderly family members in your home. Some of you have teenagers. Some of you have children. You may be a single mom or a single dad who's the head of a household, and you're wondering, what do I need to do in this season? Do the natural things you can do, but then pause and take the time to put your faith in God to paint the blood of Jesus over the door of your home so that nothing evil, even the destroyer of death, cannot enter there. And then trust God. You know, in the New Testament, we see a lot of promises. In the Old Testament, we see a lot of promises that God has made. In John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. And he says, you know, my sheep know my voice. But Jesus makes a statement there in John 10. He says, no one can snatch my sheep out of my hand. God is above all else, he says, and no one can snatch the sheep of God out of his hand. Did you know if you're a child of God and you're in the hand of God, nothing can snatch you out of his hand? Nothing can take away the protection of God. Jesus even talked about the angels of God that protect us. The book of Hebrews talks about the angels being ministering spirits. I want to encourage you today, and I want you to know God is watching over you, and he's watching over your family. God has made promises about his protecting hand. We need to trust God above all else. Yes, do the practical things, but do the spiritual things as well. Put your faith 
and your trust in God. When I was 17 years of age, I graduated high school. And the night after graduation, the next morning, I got in my car and I started on a journey from Southern California, halfway across the country to go visit family in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And it was a two or three, three day drive back then. I stopped each night and got a good night's rest. And, and I was almost to my destination. I'd come through Tulsa. I was out west of Tulsa, almost to where my family lived and my cousins were. And I was excited about getting there. It had been a long day of driving. And, and I got on this real narrow two lane road. And the speed limit back in those days on this two-lane road was about 55 miles an hour. So I'm going along watching my speed, 55 miles an hour, maybe 56 at times. Going along on that road and I begin to pass cars. And when you pass these cars, it, it was a little bit close. And I'm going along and, you know, I'm 17 years of age. I've been driving a couple of years. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit uptight about the circumstances and all of a sudden I look and here's a huge truck and trailer coming right at me in the other lane. And I realize, man, that guy is right on the line. So I begin to move my Chevy Malibu over towards the edge of the, of the shoulder. And when I got to the edge of the shoulder, I begin to hit gravel and became a little bit unstable. So I'm trying to stay right there as far as I can over towards the shoulder without losing control. And all of a sudden when that truck got to me, the wind and the force off of that truck hit my car and just shifted me a few more inches. And when that happened, I began to lose traction and my car started going sideways. And when it did, it shot right behind the truck across into the other lane. And as I looked beyond that truck, just a few yards away is a car coming at a rate of speed. So here I am going 55, shooting across the road, headed right to the face of this car. We're about to have a major head-on collision. You know, I'll be honest with you, 17 years of age, just getting out of high school, trying to figure out my own faith. I didn't have time to stop and read my Bible. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure I had a Bible with me. I didn't have time to pray, even the Lord's Prayer. I didn't have time to find God's promises and get something that I could talk to God about. All I could do in that moment was a natural thing. I held the wheel and I shut my eyes because I didn't want to see what was about to happen. And then the second thing, the spiritual thing, I screamed out, Jesus. And then two seconds later, I opened my eyes to see there I was back in my lane. And as I looked in my rearview mirror, in my side rearview mirror, I saw the car that was coming at me already past me and down the road. It was a miraculous thing. Now, you might say, well, I don't know if I can believe that story. I wish you'd been in the front seat with me of that 70 Chevy Malibu so that you could realize what an amazing miracle it was in my life that day. And God made a statement to me that I will protect you if you'll trust me. You know, sometimes all we have time to do is call upon the name of Jesus. But I promise you, if you will call upon his name, he will hear your cry. So you say, how do, I, how do I respond to this concern? And how do I respond to God's promise for protection? This past week, Ann and I walked to the front door of our home, stood there and prayed together. And we claimed the promises of what we saw in this story in Old Testament Israel. We claim the promises of God's protection for our home and our family. And no, I didn't get a paintbrush, I didn't get a hyssop branch, and I didn't get real blood. But in faith, 
we prayed that our home would be covered with the blood of Jesus, that everything that comes into that home would have to sift through God's will and God's plan for our lives. You know what? We're trying to be wise in this season, but we're also trusting God that his promise is true and nothing, not even angel of death, can walk into our home through the blood of Jesus. God has us protected. So I want to encourage you today, maybe as a family this morning, after you've finished listening to this message, maybe you'd gather your whole family, dads, single moms, whoever you are, just gather your family and walk to the front door and just ask God to protect your home and ask him to cover your entry with the blood of Jesus. He's our Passover. He will watch over us. Second of all, second concern, people are saying, well, what about my health? What about my health in this season? You know, a, a lot of people are at risk. They're telling us that older people, people with pre-existing uh, pre conditions are really at risk right now. I get it. You need to use common sense. But there are some people who are really concerned. What about my health? Let's look at another story from Numbers chapter 21. It's another story of Israel on their journey addressing their health and their healing. Verse number eight, Numbers chapter 21 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery servant, serpent, rather, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. Now I want to pause here just a moment. What was happening was the children of Israel were complaining about everything. If you read the story, their whole journey, they grumbled and griped about everything that happened. They had been slaves their whole lives. All they had was a slave's mentality. They didn't know how to trust God. They didn't know how to believe Moses. Every time a problem came along, they griped and complained and grumbled. So God had removed his hand of protection from off of them, and they went through an area where there were a lot of snakes, poison snakes, and these snakes began to come into the camp and bite people. Scripture calls them fiery serpents. It means they're poisonous snakes. So all of a sudden, people are getting sick. Many people are dying because of these snake bites. Here's what it says, the rest of verse number 8. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. When he looks at that serpent on a pole, he shall live. Verse 9, so Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was if a serpent had bitten anyone. When he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Pretty amazing story. Pretty amazing story. You know, some people would say, well, in superstition, I'm going to make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and that'll protect me. No, that's not what we're talking about here. It's a type of what would happen later on through Jesus Christ, and we'll get to it in just a moment. But these people are being bit by these poisonous snakes. They're getting sick. Many are dying. And Moses follows the instructions of God and he takes this pole and puts this snake, this bronze, brazen serpent, puts it on the pole. And scripture says when people fastened their eyes on it and looked at it, if they'd been bitten by snakes, they would be healed and they would not die. It's interesting when you look at this passage of Scripture, there, there are two words that are used about looking. The first word is to just look and see the bronze serpent. But when it came down to the actual practice, it said everyone who 
fastened their eyes intently on that serpent and looked on it in faith and expectation, they received their healing. Scripture tells us in John chapter 3, verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In the New Testament, what John is saying here is, the serpent in the Old Testament represented Christ hanging on the cross in the New Testament. He goes on to say in verse 15 of John 3, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, many people will look at that and say, okay, that's talking about eternal life, but what was happening in the Old Testament was a little, a little bit different. Absolutely, it was a little bit different. But what we find is when you look at Scripture, Isaiah 53 in the Old Testament, 1 Peter 2.24 in the New Testament, God has made a promise to us that by the stripes of Jesus, we would be healed. Because of what he suffered on that cross, part of it was for our forgiveness. Part of it was for our eternal life. There were many things that happened in the atonement, but one of the things that were promised to us is that we would receive healing because of what Jesus took upon his back when he went to the cross. Those stripes, friend, were for you or for me. The scripture tells us that Christ became a curse for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. And I want to encourage you today. You, you may be listening to this online and you may be, you know, fighting some kind of sickness, some kind of illness today. I don't know what it might be. And I know there are practical things. There are things that medical science can do to help you. You need to use common sense. But you also need to address your health challenges with faith because Jesus Christ went to a cross and took stripes upon his back for your healing for our healing for those who would look upon the cross fasten their eyes on what Jesus did there and realize it was for you when you fasten your eyes on what Jesus did on the cross you can wrap your heart around it and in faith believe I can be whole by the stripes of Jesus. I can be healed because of what Jesus did for me there. You can open your heart and ask God for healing and he will open his hand and touch your life and meet you right where you are. What about your health? God's got it covered. He's made a promise to you. I want to encourage you right there where you are. Put your faith in Jesus. If you're battling a sickness, put your faith in Jesus. Just take a moment. And if you, whether you close your eyes or whether you look up into heavens, however you want to do it, just picture Christ on the cross and picture those stripes upon his back and realize it was for you and for your healing. And as you recognize that today, ask God to make you whole and let God do a work of healing in your body. He cares about you, friend. He wants to make you whole. Many years ago, um, probably in the early 1990s, my family had planned a, a, a ski trip in Colorado. Actually, a, a, several families from the church, a group from our church, were all going to Colorado with our families to ski for a few days. And the day before we were going to leave, my youngest son, Zane, who at the time was, I don't know, six or eight years old, maybe, Zane got very, very sick. He was running a high, high fever. Uh, 
we got through Saturday night. The fever was still there. Went to church Sunday morning, got through the services. He's still very, very ill. So we took him to the emergency room. They began to run tests. They examined him. They said, man, his fever is so high. It's so dangerous. We've got to do something. And immediately the first thing they said was the initial results show that he has spinal meningitis. Needless to say, we were upset because we knew his health was at risk. He was upset because he knew he was about to miss a ski trip that he didn't want to miss. And we gathered around that hospital room and we laid hands on him and we began to pray for him. I remember them coming in and how, how painful it was as a parent as they went and they tapped into his spine to take fluid out of his spine and what he went through the pain that day to have those tests run. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And all of a sudden when we finished praying in a few minutes, his fever broke instantaneously. It just stopped. It dropped. And he began to perk up. That little boy who had been laying on that bed with a, with a red face and tears running down his face, all of a sudden he began to spark up and he began to smile. And we realized God's doing something here. A few minutes later, they finished the test. They came back later and said, we ran the tests. There's no sickness, no disease. We can't find any infection. We can't find anything anywhere. Nothing's wrong with him. They let us leave the emergency room. We went and got in the car. We went to Colorado. We left that day. And the next day, that little seven or eight-year-old kid is on the ski slopes skiing. Let me tell you something. God is still a healer. Trust him. Look on the cross and let him do in your life what he's promised to do. Third of all, third concern, final concern. People are wondering, well, will I have provision? What am I going to do? You know, we received an order this week that people are not to go to work. They're to stay home. Now, there are exceptions, but for the most part, they don't want us going to work. Government is already saying we're going to find a way to pass a bill to get money to people during this season. And I want to get into all of that. But let me just say this today. You need to decide today who is your source in this life. Who is the source of your provision? You need to settle in your, in, in your heart. There are natural things that we need to do right now. We need to be wise with our money. We need to watch how we're handling things. We need to be wise about our jobs and our employment and our bank accounts. But we also need to be wise about looking to God and believing God to take care of us and be a provider in this season. You know, I mentioned a few minutes ago, when you read these stories from the Old Testament, you recognize quickly that the nature of people is revealed, but the nature of God is also revealed in our most difficult circumstances. Some of you who are providers for your household, whether it's a, a single parent or two parents both working, if you're a provider for your household, you've probably got concerns today. If you can't work on a normal schedule and this continues for several weeks, and you know, they're saying it may very well do so. If that happens, how do you pay the bills? How do you have provision for your family? I want to show you something from Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse number 11. Let me set it up. The children of Israel have started this journey. They have left Egypt. They've got provision for a few days. They get out in the wilderness where there's no provision. Even though they've got money, they've got gold and silver and jewelry that they've received from the Egyptians, there's no 
supermarkets. There's no place to spend their wealth. They run out of water. They had run out of food. They come to a very difficult time and they begin to grumble and complain and gripe about the situation that they're in. They come to Moses and said, Moses, we should never have left Egypt. We should have stayed there as slaves and just lived in that circumstance forever. At least we had bread to eat. Moses looks to God and let's see what happens. Exodus chapter 16, verse number 11. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Now pause there just a moment at the end of verse 12. God says, in the evening there will be meat. In the morning there will be bread. And I'm going to prove to you that I'm God. Let me tell you something. If you'll put your faith in Jesus, God's going to prove who he is. He'll be your provider in this life. Let's read on, verse 13. So it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So that when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. It's what we know as manna. But look at verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, the omer for each person, or one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Interesting story. Out of nowhere, God sends quail, delicacy, in the evening to the camp for the people to eat. Even though they'd grumbled and complained, God heard their cry and he's trying to prove his nature to them. You may be grumbling about your circumstances. You may have been complaining to God about what's going on. Can I encourage you today? Stop complaining and stop and say, God, I want to trust you to do something miraculous in my life. In the evening he sent quail. The next morning there was a dew upon the ground. And when the dew lifted, there was this white substance that they called manna. It was bread. The word manna actually means, what is it? It's not a title of what it is. It's a question. What is it? It's manna. Well, what is it? It's manna. It's bread. Well, what is it? Here's the interesting thing I want you to see here. God was trying to tell his people, I'll provide for you every single day one day at a time, but you need to trust me. There are even times when I'll send delicacies your way. You know, back in that day, it was quail. Today, it may be steak and lobster. I don't know. But there are times when God will even drop abundance into our lives. His provision is amazing. But what God wants us to see is I, in this season, in every season of life, I need to see him as my source and my provider. And I need to trust him to take care of me. You know, some of us have seen our employers, we've seen our government, we've seen family members and friends as our source. Well, if I get in trouble, I can go here, I can go there. The next few weeks, some of us may be forced to look to God. Can I encourage you? Don't wait until you're forced to look to God. 
Look to God now and put your faith and your trust in him. He's able to send quail and manna if needs be to take care of us. But here's the commandment God gave to his people. He said, don't be greedy. Don't go out there and see the provision and go crazy with it. He said, go out there and take a measure for each family member, enough to get by day by day. And trust me, day by day, one day at a time. Some of us are really concerned today. What, what about provision? What am I going to do? I went to the grocery store early one day this week and I saw a lot of bare shelves. As a matter of fact, I went to two grocery stores to find what I was looking for and I finally found it. But I, I noticed that there are a lot of people right now who are spending all their money buying supplies. And, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't use common sense. I do. We need to have enough. I get it. But there are people out there who are panicking and buying so much more. One grocery store I was in even had a sign up that said, buy what you need for the week. Plenty of food will be coming. You don't need to panic today, friend. Because if needs be, God will do miraculous things to get his provision to you. This is the time we need to trust him one day at a time. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about this very thing. He said, some of you are worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. How am I going to have provision for this life? What do I do about these things? Jesus said, stop worrying about it. And I'm going to cut out some of the story because there's a lot that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, don't worry about it. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Because our Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. What he's telling us is if God knows we need these things, then we can trust God to provide the things that we need. Jesus even goes so far as to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let his government and his character rule in your life. Seek God. And then all the things we need, he will place and pour into our lives. Finally, Jesus said in verse 34 of Matthew 6, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. And I'm going to paraphrase. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't worry about fixing tomorrow's problems. God will be there as your source and your provider when tomorrow arrives. Heard a story when I was a young preacher. True story about a, an old preacher. When, when I was young, he, he was already passed away. But in his latter years, he was pastoring a congregation in a small town in a very small church. It was a congregation where the pastor lived week to week off of the offerings of the church. And people oftentimes would bring food as their offerings and their tithes because the people in the community were farmers and they lived off the land. But one winter was particularly hard and they, they missed a lot of church services on Sunday because of the weather. They couldn't watch online. They couldn't give online. Uh, they couldn't do things that we can do today. But this pastor found himself in a position where after two or three Sundays in a row with no church, he had no provision, no food in his house. One morning they got up for breakfast and they had small children. And his wife came in and said, I, I got to tell you, we got no food in the house. I don't know what we're going to do. And this pastor looked at his wife and said, go set the table. She said, you don't understand. We don't have any food in the house. He said, no, you don't understand. Go set the table. She said, but he said, no, 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 no. No ifs, ands, or buts. In faith, go set the table. So she went in and began to set the table and prepare. 
And then he went to the back of the house to pray. He said, God, you're our source. We've got nobody to look to but you. There's snow on the ground. It's snowing outside. It, it's almost blizzard conditions. As the lady of the house is in there cooking the meal or preparing to cook the meal, setting the table, there's a knock on the door. And she goes to the door, and there stands a guy with several huge bags of groceries. She grabs one bag, runs in, takes it, comes back, gets another bag, goes to the next. He's got his arms just jammed full. She gets every bag one at a time, and she comes in, and she's just looking through the bags, and she's so excited about this provision that's come. And she says, oh, wait a minute, I forgot to thank him. And she ran back to the front door to thank the man, and he was gone. And she thought, well, that's crazy. He left really quickly. And so she ran out on the porch to find him and look down the road. And as she looked out across her yard and down the road with that heavy blanket of snow, with snow falling in that blizzard condition, she realized there were no footprints in the snow. God, I'm gonna, friend, I'm going to tell you something today. God's not going to fail you. God will meet you right where you are. God knows your address. He knows your phone number. He knows how to get in touch with you. God knows how to get his provision into your life. So I want to encourage you today to trust him. You know, in closing, uh, you may be wondering, well, where is God in all of this? I don't want to take time with another long story, but in, in the Old Testament, there's a story of Jacob when he was in a difficult situation. Laid down one night, put his head on a rock, and he had a dream. Saw the angels of God ascending and descending upon his life. And when he woke up the next morning, he said, Man, I didn't realize it, but this is the house of God. God dwells here. This is the gate of heaven. This is the doorway where God's provision will flow into my life. And he named the place Bethel, which means house of God or God's house, because he found out that even though he didn't even know it, God was there with him. Now, this morning you're watching online or maybe it's evening now and you're watching this later. Maybe as you're watching this today, you're sitting there in your home saying, where's God? He's right there. You probably just don't recognize it. As you've worshiped God, as you've watched this and you've listened to God's word, your home, your living room, your dining room, wherever you're at right now, that room can become the house of God if you just recognize God's presence. I want to pray for you and pray with you today. I want to ask God to bless you in your home in this season. Join me in prayer. Father, today we've looked into your word. We've looked at three concerns that people have. People are concerned about protection. They're concerned about their health. They're concerned about daily provision. God, we've seen your promises. And I ask you that you speak a personal word into every family, into every heart. Every person who hears this today, speak into their life words of faith that will encourage them to trust you in this season. God, we know you've never let us down. You've never failed us before. You're not going to fail us now. So no matter what the need might be, today we look to you and we ask you to meet your people right where, you, right where they are. Walk into their rooms, walk into their homes, walk into their families, walk into the cars they might be driving as they listen to this. And be God right there. Let this place be the house of God. Show up in their lives and give them a chance to respond to you in faith. God, as we respond, we thank you today for protection, for health, and for provision. You are our God.
And we trust you today. Maybe as you're listening to this today, wherever you might be, maybe you've never really put your trust in God. Maybe you've heard that Jesus died for your sins, but you've never wrapped your heart around that. Maybe you've never begun a relationship with God. Maybe you've even backed away and said, you know, I don't, I don't want religion. We're not interested in giving you religion, but we'd love to introduce you to a God who loves you so much. He put his own son on the cross for you. So I want to lead you in a little prayer, and I'm going to ask you to just pray this prayer with me right out loud, right there where you are, and put your faith in Jesus today. Heavenly Father, I come to you now, and I put my trust in you. I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and cleanse me. You promised that I could become your child, and I trust you today to become my father. I want to learn your ways. I want to walk with you. I want to know you all the days of my life and throughout eternity. So I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Thank you for receiving me today. I will follow you. Amen. Hey, God bless you today. If you prayed that prayer, we want to be in touch with you. We'll be giving you more details of how we can contact you, how you can contact us. We want to help you start building your relationship with God. Everybody stand in faith. Use common sense, but believe God in faith. Let God be big in your life today. God bless you. Before we go today, we are going to take a moment and worship God by bringing our tithes and our offerings. And as we do that, I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your generosity. God has been so good to our church, and we appreciate your heart to honor God, to put Him first, and to make a difference through this local church. If you'd like to give at this time, the easiest way to do that is online or on the Bridge app. So to give online, just go to our website, thebridgechurch.tv, and click on the Give tab. Or just open the Bridge app on your mobile device and hit Give on the bottom menu. We also recognize that many people in our church, you don't give online, but usually you give in person by check, cash, or card. If that's you, please know that you can always send your gift by mail and it will be received. Our address is easy to find right there on our website. Your generosity is making a huge difference, especially during this season as our community care program continues to distribute food every weekend and our church reaches out to help and encourage as many people as we possibly can throughout the whole week. So thank you again for your faithful generosity. God is always faithful to his people. And thanks so much for joining us today for Church Online. We want to stay connected with you in the days ahead, so be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms and the Bridge app for the latest updates. We will also be sending out devotionals during the week to stay connected and encouraged. And don't forget, Bridge Women will be meeting online this Tuesday at 10 a.m. and Bridge Youth will also be happening Wednesday at 7 p.m. We love you, church. We are praying for you and we are with you during this season. We'll see you soon.